If your happy ending is no more joint pain, please try Sierra Sil with a money-back guarantee. It's all-natural joint pain relief that's changed our lives. Sierra, like the mountains, and Sil, like silicon. Go to sierrasil.com. Use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to Drift. Here, among the magic pages of books and stories, we share those with which you're familiar, from Winnie the Pooh to the Jungle Book, and so many other tales. But tonight, it's my pleasure to bring you one I can almost guarantee you've not heard before. It's from a book of fireside stories I found, compiled by Margaret Eccleston, and it's called The White Flower of Happiness by Persis Richardson. Before we embark on this story, let us wrap ourselves in whatever keeps you cozy and safe and warm. My comfort zone, my bed, is made sweeter thanks to the same pair who bring you this podcast these stories for free. Two RNs named Kathy and Kim at Envy Pillow. I've been a fan, a customer for nearly two decades, and they just keep improving, getting better and greener with time. Now with germ clearing copper. These pillows are copper infused, supportive, comfortable, and kind to Mother Earth. And now, listeners to Drift get 10% off all purchases. Using the code DRIFT. Learn more in the morning at Envy. That's envypillow.com. Let's take a few minutes before we get to our story to make sure you're in the right head and body space to receive. First, with a deep breath in and out. And now again. But this time, as you exhale, feeling your body sinking into your bed, your recliner, your couch, or wherever you are right now, be here with me, because there's nothing else more important than your rest. For you, and for everyone you help, day in and day out. As you breathe deeply now, concentrate on your feet, making them feel heavy and limp. Then your calves, your thighs, your backside. Is your back feeling heavy too? Imagine the indentation you're making, like you're lying on a bed of foam. Maybe you are. Or the softest, thickest cloud your mind can conjure. Now to your belly. Let it relax and fill up with every cleansing breath. Move up to your chest. Can you hear your heartbeat? It should be nice and slow by now. Is your neck relaxed? Or is it still holding up that often busy head of yours? Let's drop your shoulders into the mattress or chair. Your arms are limp and in just the right position. And your hands. Wiggle your fingers. And wave goodbye to the cares of your day. Let's move to your head now. Let your jaw relax completely. Rest your tongue. 
close your eyes heavily and let your eyebrows rest as well. Finally, just let your head feel heavy on your pillow or on your arm and take a deep breath in and out. You're getting good at this. And just once more now, another inhale. And this time, as you exhale, think these words. I am safe. I am loved. I am at peace. And if you're ready, let's drift. Our story is set in a land far away, a place of brilliant pink sunrises and golden sunsets. It was a land of rolling hills and swiftly running clear, clean water, where the birds sang from morning until night, and calls of the owls, as they answered each other from perches unseen, echoed through the still darkness. It was a land where deer flitted and rested, and little rabbits dotted the countryside, hopping through tall grasses and frolicking under the peaceful sunshine. In that gentle countryside, there stood a palace. It was a place of many rooms and even more windows, all tall and wide, so that the palace's inhabitants could take in the myriad gentle beauties of the expansive and sweeping countryside. Indoors, seated near just such a window in the library, lounged the king. He had on his lap an old, old book, one which had been written when the king's great-great-grandfather sat on the throne. Perched on the highest shelf in the tallest bookcase until this very day, the king had never seen the book before, and it was most interesting to him. For the book told of a strange little plant that had grown in the kingdom in those days of the old, old king. As the story went, no matter how hard the people had to work, if the little plant was growing in their homes, they were happy. Indeed, the book said that the flower of the plant was so beautiful that no garden was complete without it. So in the days of long ago, it grew in the gardens of the rich and the poor, while happiness and prosperity reigned in the land. Eagerly, the king read the description of the little flower that grew on this wonderful plant. It was white as the driven snow. It had heart-shaped petals surrounding a beautiful heart of gold, and its name was as unique as its qualities. It was known as the White Flower of Happiness. Now the king loved flowers dearly, and there were many in his garden. For just as the windows of the palace looked out upon the rolling hills and forests, beneath each one, and for quite some distance, was planted acre upon acre of gardens. 
every flower, every plant one could imagine or name, had been growing under the king's watchful eye. Ever since he took the throne, lo, those thirty years ago. But to his surprise, he was quite sure he had never seen the little flower described so eloquently in the book he was holding. He closed his eyes and imagined seeing such blossoms among his treasures, or even in window boxes, all the closer to enjoy. And it was then, in a moment of peace and serenity, alone in his library, that the king came up with an idea. For don't you find in those times of solitude, when the outside world is nowhere to be heard or seen, that the best thoughts come through? So it was for the king. He decided that he wanted to have one of these white flowers of happiness for his very own. But much more than that, because he wanted happiness and prosperity for his people, he was determined to find it. Surely somewhere in the kingdom there must be a plant left, if it grew so common in the days of my great-great-grandfather, thought the king. Then, calling the heralds to him, he said, Ride forth and search. Go east and west and north and south, and say to my people, Search for the white flower of happiness, and when you have found it, bring it to me, that I may raise more seeds, so that all may have a chance to own it. Tis a little flower, white as the driven snow, with petals that are heart-shaped, surrounding a heart of gold. Eagerly the people, as they heard the news, both rich and poor, went to work, for unlike the king, they already knew of the wondrous beauty of the flower. Their family lore had passed down, through generation upon generation, the gifts of this amazing plant, and every person had heard of it and wished it for their own. Now, there were two people who were very sure they would be the first to find the flower. One was a rich woman who loved beautiful things. Her home was the largest of any on the finest street in the royal city. She had many and large gardens, cared for by the best gardeners to be found. Yet, in the summertime, when they were glowing with hundreds of flowers, a very few people could enjoy them. A high hedge surrounded them all, and only her friends were permitted to go through the iron entrance gate. This wealthy woman said to herself, I will find the flower, and it will be easy to keep it secret from all the others if I have it here behind the hedge. Then I shall be sure of all of the happiness I could possibly want in the future. So all of her gardeners were set to work to search for the white flower of happiness. 
Wherever they found a plant of rare beauty, they dug it up or bought it, hoping that it might be the plant she sought. Seeds of all kinds were also planted, and in the blossoming time there were flowers in the gardens by the thousands. But alas for the rich woman and all who toiled at her behest. Behind that great wall there was no flower that was white as the driven snow, with heart-shaped petals surrounding a heart of gold. She, of course, was not the only person determined to seek out and find this most special gift of the gardens. There was also a businessman in the kingdom who thought he could surely find the flower. If I could find it, he said, I would grow more plants and sell them to the people at a handsome profit. Then I should quickly grow rich, and there would be no need for me to work. So, as he dreamed of days spent horseback riding with his wife and enjoying the weather, and evenings of feasting, and then sitting with his feet up by an enormous fireplace in a house that would be the envy of all of his fellow city dwellers, he set his office force all to work to write letters to the gardeners and seed growers of all the world. They described the little flower and offered large sums for one single plant that was just as the king had described. But no amount of letter-writing or handsome sums offered could help him or his weary staff, for he, too, failed in his search. It was not to be found. Down in the heart of the most modest section of the royal city, there lived a tiny old lady whom everyone called Aunt Betsy. She was so poor. She had only one room that she could call home, and her only companion was a scrawny cat who bore only one eye and scars too many to count that everyone else had driven away. But Cuddles loved her, and she loved Cuddles, and she was glad to have it share her home, a place of safety and scraps, although not of the fighting kind. Together they were content with what they had, mostly each other. Aunt Betsy had lived a hard life of manual labor and suffered greatly from the pains and tolls of that work, as well as arthritis that had plagued her stooped body. She had to hobble her way to work every morning, yet she was the cheeriest little body alive, and everyone loved her. And this woman, like all of her neighbors, was also seeking the white flower of happiness. This old street, with its tumble-down houses and uneven sidewalks and tin cans strewn everywhere, surely needs a heap of something to cheer it, she would say. Now, if I could find just one plant, I would make this old alley the finest place ever. Then the little children here could have some chance, a hint of brightness that showed them that no matter how dark 
even in an alley. In life there is always a pathway to hope. I wish I might find it. But no flowers grew where she lived or in the dark, dank factory where she worked as a cleaner, so she couldn't hope to find the plant. The only thing she could do was to save every penny possible so that if the king found the plant, she might buy a seed. Into an old tin cup she put her pennies, one by one, but it was very slow work, for Aunt Betsy was so poor that she could barely afford her meager home and food enough to satisfy her cat. Never mind, food for herself. One winter night, as Aunt Betsy returned from work, she found a strange-looking bundle on her doorstep. It wasn't small, as though someone had dropped a handkerchief. Oh, no. This was the size of perhaps three or four more cats, and her heart sank, for she knew that there was no way that she could possibly support more than just herself and cuddles. But, out of care and curiosity, she began unrolling it. And no sooner did she start than she spotted a sock with a foot in it. Quickly unraveling the bundle, she recognized that it was a boy, a boy she knew. It was Bobby, one of the neighbor's children. Now Bobby had no mother and only a poor, drunken father who often took out his anger and frustrations upon the child with cruel words and long absences. And Aunt Betsy saw, as she unrolled him, that his face was all tear-stained, so she knew what had been happening. Bobby had crept away from the hardships he knew were to come to his best friend whenever he was in trouble. Aunt Betsy. Carefully she helped the little fellow up and half carried him into her bare room. There she gave him a hot drink of water with chunks of limp carrot and potato, and then tucked him all comfortably into bed on the couch on which she usually rested her weary head at night. Tired from his day of play and work, from crying, and from the cold, the little fellow was soon lost in sleep. Not so Aunt Betsy. Sitting by the fire, all she could see were the great holes in the shoes she was drying. Bobby needed a better pair of shoes very badly, but she had no money with which to buy any, even used from the mission just around the corner. But there is money in the cup, said a voice within. But I couldn't give that, for I want so much to buy a seed to bring happiness to this alley, thought Aunt Betsy. But a pair of shoes would bring happiness to Bobby now. It is what he needs, said the voice. She looked again at the little swollen feet under the cover on the couch. 
then slowly, yet with a smile of infinite tenderness, she softly stole to the cupboard, took the money from the small tin cup, drew on her old shawl, and went out into the cold, miserable night. It was a very happy Bobby who went to his school in the morning, and behind Aunt Betsy's stove were the small, worn shoes. A short time later, after feeding her cat and sipping her tea, the old woman went down the narrow stairs to her work, and she sang as she went. No matter that her body ached even more than usual, thanks to her having slept fitfully on the tattered rug that barely covered the cold floor the night before, her heart felt light, and she was happy for having been able to give the child a better pair of shoes. And so off she went to work. That night, a weary Aunt Betsy, hurrying past a florist's shop, bumped into a barrel of cuttings, dried leaves and stems, and potting soil that stood on the walk. Stopping abruptly, she saw a wilted-looking plant in an old broken pot on the top of the pile. Why, you poor little plant, said Aunt Betsy. I'll just take you home and love you. Perhaps you will grow for me in my little upper room. So she wrapped it in her shawl and gingerly carried it home. There she lit a fire and then transplanted her sad bit of greenery into the old tin cup from which she had taken the money to buy the shoes. She set it on a ledge where the sunshine would find it the very first thing in the morning. In two days, the plant showed signs of life. In a week, it stood tall and firm. In two weeks, there was a bud, which Aunt Betsy watched with great care. Would it be pink or red or yellow? She didn't care, if only it were a blossom. Anything to brighten her room and add a splash of cheer to her daily life, hers and cuddles. It was nighttime when she came home from her work, but as soon as she pushed in her door, she knew that the little flower had opened, for the room was full of the fragrance that it was sending forth. She hurried to the window, and she saw, oh, could she believe her eyes? She saw a little white flower, white as the driven snow. Its petals were heart-shaped and surrounded a heart of wonderful gold. It was the white flower of happiness, just as the king had described it, exactly as she had heard about her whole life. She could hardly take in its beauty, its fragrance, which wafted through her room like a graceful breeze. That night, as her cat curled beside her, 
she slept with just the smallest smile resting upon her lips. In the morning, the woman dressed as quickly as she could with her sore joints. She gulped her tea and fed the cat, and then, as though she was one of the three wise men carrying a gift to the baby in the manger, she bore that tin cup with its precious contents under the protection of her shawl to the palace. After walking for three miles, she arrived at the regal domain, but when she asked to see the king, she was turned away twice as a beggar woman. But then she unwrapped the beautiful flower, and the king's guards, whose eyes grew as large as any she had seen, quickly ushered her into the palace. Upon hearing of his guest and what she brought with her, the king hurried to the great hall, where the tiny humble woman stood, head bowed, plant in her outstretched hands. What is this, my good woman? he cried in exclamation. Have, have you found it? I, I have, your majesty, just as you requested. It is my humble gift to you. Joyfully the king took the small cup from her and held it in his large hands. He brought it to his face and breathed in deeply, taking in the fullness of its fragrance. Then he held it up to the light of a nearby window and gasped at the beauty of the flower, just as the book had described pure and white, with heart-shaped petals surrounding a golden center. There were no words to describe the incredible sight he beheld that day. But he found his words when trying to express his gratitude. My good woman, where is it that you live? She told him of her room in an alley in a part of the city he had no doubt never seen. Truthfully, he had not, but he did know of areas of his kingdom where people went without, where the sun rarely shone and life was hard day and night. Have you children? Grandchildren? I have not, she responded with a sigh. But there's a boy I care for and my companion is my cat. They warm my heart and give me a reason to get up each day for work in the factory. Today, he declared, that ends, for you and the child and your furry friend will come to live here with us. We have a palace with many rooms. Too many, he laughed in a whisper and you shall stay here. If you choose to work, you shall, but you will be warm and safe and cared for all the days of your life. With those words, two huge tears rolled from the corners of Aunt Betsy's clouded eyes. If you would have me, your majesty, I shall be your humble guest. And with that, 
it was done. The woman was to become part of the household. Of course, Cuddles would, too, keeping the pantry free of creatures and spending his time stretched out in slices of sunshine from the glorious windows or on soft rugs laid in front of fireplaces throughout the palace. And what did the king do with his precious plant? He kept his word, and thus, through a simple, loving old woman, the white flower of happiness was given to a whole kingdom. But do you know, the strange thing about the plant was this. Whenever its owner kept the flower only for his or herself and did not share it with others, it withered and died. But when it was lovingly shared, it grew and blossomed and made happy not only its owner, but all to whom it went. It was in very truth the white flower of happiness. And with that, a tale of kindness, of sacrifice, of promises made and kept, and yes, even a happily ever after for everyone. I will wish you a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>